Welcome to Fine Margins here on the Hammer Betting Network, presented by Betfred. Join Betfred today for all of your latest online sports betting odds and needs. They are the official sportsbook partner here of Fine Margins and our World Cup shows. We will be doing this daily, 4.15 p.m. Eastern time, recapping the day that was. I am joined by the crew from yesterday, Alex Moretto, Adrian, also known as the Drunken Goon, and we welcome in Jacob Gramenia today of Amateur Hour Sports. Us four will recap today's games, and then we will look ahead to the foursome that we have on deck tomorrow. And guys, let's get it started right away with the 5 a.m. match, the, the match that ended up watching me as I fell asleep on the couch, woke up, had no idea if this was like, I thought I thought my, my apps were messed up when I was looking at the final score in this game. Uh, Argentina loses to Saudi Arabia 2-1. to one. Expected goals in the game, uh, Saudi Arabia with 0.14 expected goals. Based off of the final expected goals numbers, they would have expected to win that match one out of 200 times, but they win it. Um, guys, I'll throw, I'll start with you, Drunken Goon, on this one. Um, is this just like a reminder that the games are not played on a spreadsheet? Because, you know, I'm the idiot yesterday talking about how we got to throw Argentina in a bunch of parlays. And then, I mean, this is soccer, right? Like anything can happen. Like any given Sunday, right? Uh, except it was a, not a Sunday. Um, <laughs> I actually slept through the first half. Uh, I got a notice on my uh, my cell that it was one uh, nothing Argentina. I thought uh, this is going according to plan. I can get some Z's in there, and then I got the two one uh, notice, and then I uh, I hopped back on. Um, so Argentina pushed for it late, but uh, they just didn't have any luck. Uh, the Saudi goalie was outstanding, and. Um, this happens in soccer. I mean, we've, we've seen uh, Cameroon beat Italy. We've seen Senegal beat France. And uh, every every World Cup, we have a big surprise. And uh, this one was one of the biggest ones, maybe the biggest one since uh, 1982 when Algeria beat West Germany. So, Alex, where does this leave Argentina going forwards here? I think they'll be fine. they got to make a couple tweaks maybe to the lineup. Uh, I thought Rodrigo DePaul was pretty bad. Again, I missed the first half, too. Um, I just sort of woke up just in time to uh, to catch most of the second. Um, and I rewatched parts of the first half. It looks like Argentina were just sort of sleepwalking. This is obviously a much better team than they showed. I don't think there's really anything to worry about long-term. Um, I mean, based on what we saw from Mexico and Poland today, I'm sure we'll get to that later. I don't think Argentina has too much to worry about. They should be fine to get six points from those matches. Um, I think that, yeah, ultimately they'll, they'll be okay here. Just maybe a couple tweaks to that starting 11. Uh, it'll be very interesting to see how Saudi Arabia does. They can carry this forward uh, into those next two matches. Because again, some vulnerable teams in that group was so maybe just a little bit of an opening for them. Jacob, we didn't get your thoughts on the show yesterday as it was just us three, but curious what your thoughts were on Argentina heading into the tournament um, and how you're reacting to, today, to today's loss. Is it just like something that, I mean, lightning struck and you move on or are there genuine concerns about Argentina for these latter two games in the group stage? Uh, going into the tournament, Argentina were my pick to win. Okay. My, I'm not, I can't quite deviate my stance on that one just after one game here. It, it's like you said, it, it's just one, like a one out of 200 opportunity. But in a World Cup situation where you only have three games potentially to show yourself and get the points that you need, these things can completely derail your tournament. But my sentiments on Argentina shared with Alex here. We're going to touch on Poland and Mexico, and based on what I saw from both of those teams, I don't think Argentina should have very much concern other than the fact that it's do or die at this point against those two teams. All right, let's get let's get to that other match. So Poland-Mexico, 
Uh, Nil-nil. The obvious storyline of the game was Lewandowski missing the penalty. Um, You know, it it really wasn't all that entertaining a game. Uh, It did feel like the game was being played in Mexico, just watching on the TV (laughs) with the amount of fans that were going nuts there and what they were showing in the crowd. But we talked yesterday on the show. um, We are going to be very transparent going forwards about what we played, what we bet on. Uh, And we all, I think, lean towards Poland in this match against Mexico. Didn't lose because we we took the draw, no bet in the game. Uh, However, I I mean, just as my my recreational neutral soccer fan stance, Poland left a a lot to be desired in this game, Alex. Yeah, it's nothing uh, surprising based on what we've seen from them at past tournaments. Surprising based on what I expected from them coming into this tournament, though. Um, Obviously a little bit disappointing. I do wonder if... Perhaps this was just a case of nerves as well. They've floundered on the main stage so many times in the past, maybe knowing how big of a game and an opportunity this is against Mexico, just a game you absolutely cannot lose if you want to have a chance to progress. Maybe that kind of played a factor. You know, they and I thought defensively they were strong. The fact that they ended up escaping with a point, depending on how you look at it, maybe, un- you know, I felt unlucky to uh, to not catch that, that based on the Lewandowski miss, but also lucky just based on their performance. So it was one of those weird ones where, but I think maybe this will give them a little bit of confidence. Now they're in a position to still get through here. They got through that first match. They got Saudi Arabia coming up. Um, I think they'll also go with a little bit of a different team. They'll probably give Lewandowski more of a strike partner up top. I think we'll see Milik start the next match, let Zielinski drop a little bit deeper, which should help them out quite a bit too. Uh, I believe they, they lined up in a 5-3-2 today, correct? When they started the match? Yeah. 3-5-2. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then as they were defending, it drops into a 5. Yeah. Understood. Uh, Jacob, we were talking off air right before we started here, and you had mentioned Poland's, uh, I guess, pedigree in these major tournaments, and I kind of brought it up yesterday where, I mean, do, is that a, do you think that's actually a thing? Like, do you put stock into the fact that Poland uh, – I mean, lots of times they'd be considered a dark horse in these these either the World Cup, major European tournaments, and they seem to just really struggle in the group stage pretty much time in and time out with this with this core of team that they've had. It's just there's really no indication that things have changed. I would say squad-wise, it might be worse than we've seen in previous tournaments. Lewandowski is obviously maybe not quite the best he's ever been, but he's still one of, if not the best strikers in the world. He had less touches in the first half than Mexican goalie Guillermo Ochoa did. That is a huge concern. Managers, they've gone through a catalog of managers trying to get the best out of Lewandowski at these tournaments. All of them have failed to produce and, and failed to get him to produce in any sort of capacity. Uh, Zielinski struggled to get into the game, as Alex was kind of talking about. I'm not very convinced with Camille Glick starting uh, at center back for Poland at, at his current age. I just... The defense had been better before. It was a missed opportunity for them. I, I'd say for both teams, but Poland specifically looked toothless in attack today. And the penalty almost bailed them out, but good save by Ochoa. So Adrian, opportunity, Adrian, opportunity wasted. Sorry about that, Jacob. Adrian, uh, I'll let you piggyback there. I saw you nodding your head on a few things there, but uh, speak to us a little bit about Poland. But also yesterday you mentioned that this might be the worst Mexico team we've seen at an international tournament in a long time. Uh, does that opinion change after one match where, I mean, listen, it's not like they dominated Poland by any stretch of the imagination. I thought it was a, a pretty even game, could have gone either way. Um, you know, Mexico looked a little bit more uh, lively in attack, I would say, using the flanks pretty well in this match. Uh, but uh, anything that has changed since uh, we broke this down yesterday on, on the front of either Poland or Mexico, Adrian? 
Um, Mexico was really aggressive, uh, looking to go at the uh, the free backs of Poland, and they isolated Glick on the left side of the Polish defense, on the right side of the Mexican attack, and Lozano went on it in the first half and uh, got some opportunities. Um, that was something that I expected Poland to have more possession, and they didn't. Uh, it was impressive by Mexico, their approach in the first half and taking the game to to Poland and generating some half chances, but they, they just don't have any finishing, and that continues to be their, their problem. In the second half, Poland came out a little better. It was a little bit like the USA-Wales game. Not not as much, but um, Poland got that penalty, and uh, you know it was a call that could have gone either way. Uh, like we say in sports, ball don't lie. Ochoa came up every four years. He uh, comes up to the World Cup and, and does, does his best to keep Mexico in the tournament, get him through the first round, and then uh, go home. <laughs> but uh, for Poland, they always start slow in these tournaments, and some people say they don't show up till the third game when it doesn't mean anything. It used to be okay when you had three teams go out of the group, but at this point, with just two teams advancing, it's, it's not enough. All right, I'm going to take a quick poll of you guys here. Penalty or no penalty in that game? Oh, I thought, sorry, I I don't really understand the discrepancy. 100% when I saw the replay, I thought it was a penalty. It's, Adrian? It's take, or Alex? Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I was, it's, it's take, like by the book, it's it's a penalty. I thought it was a little bit ticky tacky. Um, was happy they gave it. The, the slide did it for me. It. <laughs> I think um, the sure pull was, was a big factor. And the fact that Lewandowski didn't die for it, if he dove for it, he wouldn't have gotten it. But right. just seeing the, the sure pull and him trying to work his way through that, uh, that kind of. Yeah. I, I saw Twitter very, very divided on whether that one should have been a penalty or not. Um, for me, I, I mean, Lewandowski was fighting too, though. Like, he was pushing off the defender. So I, I thought that, you know, once it goes to VAR, there's a very decent chance that they're, they're, they saw something that is, is, you know, the call is likely to be overturned. But I, I just found the discourse very interesting in real time as to whether or not that was a penalty. So we have Group C here. I assume Argentina is still the favorites here. Uh, which they are still minus 225 to qualify. And then you have essentially Poland, Mexico, and Saudi Arabia all priced in the same range to qualify uh, plus 120, plus 110, plus 100. Who do we give the advantage to going forwards in Group C in terms of getting that second qualifying position? And, and I guess speak up. We'll start with you, Adrian. If you feel that Argentina doesn't deserve to be favored, uh, I feel like that's, you know, you probably wouldn't say that's the case. But uh, who, who do you think is the second? horse to advance from group C right now just because I'm wearing this <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I still think Argentina is the, the favorite but they don't have a lot of margin for error so they they need to bring their A game or they're going home it's it's as easy as that um, Saudi Arabia was impressive can they do it back to back I don't know I doubt it but um, they they showed something and uh, they probably have the uh, the coolest coach out there yeah <laughs> Everywhere he goes, he, he does things that people don't uh, don't believe in, and he, he just pulls it off. Yeah, um, Alex. Oh, sorry, sorry. Go ahead, Adrian. Finish that point. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sold on Poland. That's that's it. I, I think they're probably going out. Anybody else has a chance? Alex. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to stick with my Poland selection here, but I mean, I didn't see much today to inspire that confidence. I just hope that with a couple of tweaks to the lineup and maybe some confidence from getting something from this, this match will, will help spur them on. Um, I think Saudi Arabia kind of left everything out there today. You know, Herb Bernard's a great manager. He does some magical things, but it's going to be, they're still going to be very hard pressed to get through here. And I don't know that Mexico has the 
quality, the attacking quality to break down a team like Saudi Arabia, who's still going to just sit back and know that a point might be enough to get them through. So I think that I'm going to stick with Poland here. Do I feel good about it? No, I do not. And Jacob? I'm still going to stick with Mexico pre-tournament. I thought Mexico would be the team to go through in second. I'm going to stick with them. They know they just really have to beat Saudi Arabia maybe by a... I think they'll be happy with any win, any more than 1-0. I think that that could really lock them up in that second position. If Poland and Mexico both finish on four points, I'd have, I'd believe in Mexico more to score more often and concede less than that Polish team. So I'll stick with them. But Saudi Arabia, again, with the manager, he's won the African Cup of Nations with Zambia and Ivory Coast, I believe. So he's, he's had success in the past. And he's knowing now that five points might win this group. If they draw the next two games and they sit deep here and Argentina don't win both their games, five points could get them top of this group. So that could be something that they look at to play. We're going to shift into Group D here in just one second. For those of you who are watching on Twitter, we do appreciate the support. Just know that we don't see your comments in real time. If you do want to get in on the conversation, hop over to the Fine Margins YouTube channel where we are broadcasting live. You can comment there. And if you do have a question for the panel, we can incorporate it into the broadcast. So once again, that's the Fine Margins channel on YouTube. All right, Group D, um, we could start with Denmark-Tunisia, which I thought the first half was a sleeper. Um, and then it really grew on me in the second half. Tunisia, I will say, man, that team was fired up. Like there was one defender and he slide tackled Christian Eriksen in like the first minute of the game, looked like he wanted to take his his legs off and just came up fist pumping and everything. It was a, a you know, they, they had a lot of energy going into that game. I was somewhat impressed with the energy that they brought to the table. I did think Denmark had some chances late, especially uh, Cornelius at the back post, just didn't really know whether he wanted to head the ball or kick it went off the post. I believe that that play had a 0.9 expected uh, goals on that play, which didn't go into the net. Um, but overall takeaways from uh, Denmark and Tunisia, I'll start with you, Adrian. Um, we, we've seen aggressiveness, both Saudis and Tunisia came out and they, they put pressure on up, up the pitch and that uh, created the uncomfortable moments for the, for the Danish defense. They were sleepwalking for the first half, and uh, and Tunisia had that one offside that you know could have uh, could have decided the game. Also, the big save by Schmeichel. Um, Tunisia was better in the first half. Denmark was better in the second half. The big miss there, and then the controversial play at the end with the penalty, no penalty. I think the reason they they gave the free kick is because it was a handball. Otherwise, they would have given the corner if it wasn't a handball. So, to answer your question on Twitter, yep, Alex. Yeah, um, it was a fun match. It was a really fun match. I think Tunisia are a little bit, you know, I, we talked about it a little bit yesterday, how I think Tunisia do have, you know, some good quality in the side. Um, maybe if Kazri was playing today, they actually, you know, nick a winner. Could have been, you know, there was an opportunity there for them for sure. Shkiri played really well in center of midfield. Um, I thought he really provided good cover for the back line. He was really aggressive, pressing the ball well. Uh, I think that they're going to be a fun team to back in the next two matches probably get a, a good price um a good handicap against against france and then the next match against australia uh you're getting plus money on them right now i really like that look too as for denmark denmark will be fine didn't really see anything that you know that concerned me from them um again we talked you know they're a team where they didn't have too many inform attackers coming into this maybe that showed a little bit i think they'll they'll sort of round into form here um they're one of those teams where the whole is kind of greater than the sum of their parts. You know, they, they play really well together. 
France is a, it's a good matchup for them. That'll be a really fun game in the next match. Uh, I still kind of like, you know, Denmark to potentially pull off that upset and win their next two group matches and, you know, maybe even top this group still. But you probably get some pretty good prices on that. So that's another that's another kind of route I'd look to take here. So I was going to pose that question. I'll start with you on it, Jacob. Um, I don't think there's too much to break down from France, Australia. France kind of just handled the business. Uh, Giroud with a pair of goals and Mbappe scores as well. Uh, they fell down 1-0 early, but then, you know, seemingly in control of the game. But we're seeing updated odds at Betfred for Group D right now. And France, minus 600 to win the group. We got Denmark, plus 400, which, I mean, uh, Alex is talking about the value potentially there. Tunisia on one point, plus 2,200, 22 to 1 to potentially win the group. They will have a match head-to-head with France. Um, do you potentially see an opportunity to back either of those sides here? Like, is France as good as they look today, or is that just Aust- basically by virtue of having played Australia? Personally, I didn't like. I didn't think France, as much as they took care of business, they won the game. I'm very down on Australia, as mentioned from the group predictions along with Alex. I think France just did what they had to do, and that led to goals. They created good opportunities for their players, but I don't think any opposing teams looking to go deep in the tournament win the whole tournament. I don't think there's anything specifically that France showed today that would make them fearful to play against them. I think the injury troubles are a big deal. I don't I'm not I don't have the huge amount of confidence in their midfield. I know Rabio scored. I was actually gonna tweet about Rabio and why question maybe why he's starting and then he ended up getting a goal. I think he also <laughs> got an assist in the second goal. So uh, happy I held off on that. But sentiment's kind of the same. I, I don't think it's the superpower it was in twenty eighteen. That being said, group-wise, I still think. I don't know if that's a great price on that. I, I, I think that's a bad price. I think that's far too high for them, but um, I think they'll still win this group. This is where maybe I can contribute because as a Juventus fan, I watch Adrian Rabiot play every single week. And I will say he's gotten a lot better in the first half of this year relative to where he was at the end of last year. But it was very surprising for me to see him as part of a two-man midfield. Um, like as a holding midfielder, usually with Juventus, they play with a three-man midfield. He's not asked to do much in terms of defensive cover. Um, Adrian, you do specialize in French soccer as well. Um, probably seen a, your fair share of Rabiot at some point or another. Uh, we talked a little bit about France yesterday. Do you think that potentially uh, Denmark or Tunisia is still alive in this group? Or or is France you know more likely to win it now by virtue of this 4-1 win today? That doesn't change anything. They still have the direct uh, match with Denmark, which would probably decide the group. Um, I think if there was uh, an offer, a two-way offer on France to win the group or not to win the group, I would that would take the no. Especially at uh, you know plus three hundred or whatever, whatever it would be. Um, as far as Rabiot is concerned, yeah, during his time at uh, PSG, he was really good at uh, in that position of holding midfield but he had his issues with the club and the extensions and things like that. And that led him to, to leave uh, on a sour note. Um, I might throw a few bucks down on France, not to qualify at 18 to one. Oh. I don't know if that's insane, but I feel like that, like they're getting into the price range now where it's like a virtual lock that they're in and they just played the worst team in the group. The tough thing about that is just like, you can see them finishing on, you know, maybe worst case four points, maybe they tie Tunisia and lose to Denmark. Um, and then say Tunisia takes care of business against Australia. Uh, I guess, I mean, yeah, it, there's, there's a path there for sure. I took the plus 2,500 on Tunisia and Denmark to qualify from this group before the tournament. 
I mean, probably could have got a much better price now. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but I mean, like there there is a path there. You just kind of you kind of need everything to go right. I almost wonder if like parlaying the results of the rest of the group matches, you know, will get you a a better price even there too. Yeah, fair enough. Um, okay, good recap of today. Yesterday's plays that we gave out on the show, I'm the idiot that lost 1.76 units on Denmark, just cursing at the TV of why did I bet on this team? It is what it is. Uh, Adrian wins a half unit on his play yesterday, the over uh, 2.75 Argentina and uh, Saudi Arabia. Alex, you got the push. Sorry? Not the way I envisioned it. No, not at all. If you, I was like, if, <laughs> if you said you would have gotten two goals from Saudi Arabia, I think you would have. Uh, I think you would have emptied the account on that over. <laughs> yeah, probably would have been the case. All right, let's get into tomorrow's games. Uh, we'll pull up the lines here, courtesy of Betfred Sportsbook. Once again, uh, Betfred is the official partner of Fine Margins for the entire World Cup. Check them out if uh, they are in your state, in the U.S. Uh, we would highly recommend that you do wager. At Bet Fred. Let's start with the first game tomorrow morning, uh, 5 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Mountain, as it shows on the screen. Uh, Morocco and Croatia, probably the game of the day, guys. Um, I know a lot of people considering Morocco to be a dark horse uh, potentially in this group. I don't know if that's people down on Croatia or down on Belgium or whatever, uh, but we'll go roundtable discussion here and break this one down. We'll start with Adrian. Thoughts on Morocco, Croatia tomorrow morning? Croatia plus 110. The draw plus two twenty, Morocco the underdog at plus two eighty. So we've been looking at this group based on Canada being in it since uh, since the draw, and uh, there's a lot of uh, sentiment out there that Croatia is an old team and they will struggle in this World Cup. I do not agree with that. Their uh, defense is revamped. They have two really good outside backs in Bardiol and Sosa, and they are a team that can keep the ball and make you chase it. I don't know if uh, to, if sorry Morocco can uh, can keep up with with that for the the whole duration of the of the game, especially when you add in the ten minutes here and there, first half, second half, the way it's been going at the World <laughs> Cup. Um, Croatia is a really good team that takes care of their opportunities, set plays. They get a lot of the scoring from there, and um, I think they pull that off. The uh, the odds I have that about minus one ten Croatia. So there's uh, there's a little bit of value in uh, in playing Croatia. Alex, yeah, I, I'm excited to to back Morocco in this World Cup, but not tomorrow. I think that this is actually their toughest group match. Um, and, you know, maybe that's more of a testament to how I feel about Belgium, but I completely agree with Adrian about Croatia. I wrote about that as well in my preview about how, you know, people think that Croatia is this old team coming in. I mean, maybe that's just people who don't necessarily follow too closely that, you know, see these guys that were a little bit older in 2018 and now maybe aren't there anymore or getting up there in age, but they've replaced them in the squad really well. So I think Croatia's still a very strong team. I probably won't have much of a position here. Um, but I mean, Morocco to get through this group, it would be, you know, nice if they can get a point here, uh, for, you know, for that to come through. Um, I think they have a really good team. Obviously, you know, patching things up with Ziek was, was big to get him into the squad. And I thought they were, they were really impressive in 2018, uh, despite, you know, results not really going their way. They, you know, and that they, they lost one nothing to Portugal in a game that they had, you know, controlled the run of play for significant portions of that. Um, they were pretty impressive in that. They obviously tied Spain in that last group match as well. And their issue was more so not necessarily chance creation, but but finishing chances. Um, talked about this in the group previews as well. Now you have Ennisiri here who did not really play much in 2018. He came on, he was young, he came on late in the Spain game, actually scored a goal too. 
So, you know, having him as the focal point up top will maybe help, you know, help him convert some of these chances. And I think that uh, in terms of tomorrow's game, I'm not really looking to, you know, bet Morocco, but but going forward in this World Cup, I, I do like their chances of getting through here. Jacob, uh, thoughts? I know you you host um, Pick and Roll every day on the Hammer Betting Network. Anyone who wants to check that out, that's a basketball show. You can follow it, uh, the Board NBA uh, YouTube channel as well. Subscribe there. Your co-host, Pips, is a Croatian, so you've probably been hearing a lot about Croatia at the World Cup so far. Curious what your thoughts are on this matchup tomorrow. For me, similar handicap to Adrian here. I make Croatia. They probably should be, for me, minus money to win this game. So getting them at more than positive odds here is one that I'm going to be taking. Midfield-wise, I think, is where Croatia are going to dominate this game. Brozovic can boss the midfield, allow the likes of Modric and Kovacic to really express themselves, get the front line involved, get the ball forward in those dangerous areas. And I think when they're in those areas, they're going to be clinical enough to finish those chances. But... Morocco are a fun team. They've been a fun team for a considerable amount of time now. Results-based, I'm back in Croatia here. Uh, Any thoughts on the total here, guys? It's two and a half, juiced heavily to the under in this game. When I think of Croatia, I think of a very disciplined team uh, overall that just plays very good structured football. Uh, Not a powerhouse in terms of finishing talent, but just like a team that, you know, exactly that just like very very structured i'm not sure if that's outdated an outdated thought um and it's the the croatia i grew up on or if that's how you guys envision them now but curious what you guys think in terms of whether we might see a high or low scoring game i'll go to you adrian they are the uh, lula morello of soccer uh, (laughs) (laughs) i think they uh, they're disciplined they uh they take care of business um their defense is improved, I think, compared to previous tournaments. And uh, yeah, low scoring. I, I don't see three goals in this game. Yeah, yeah Morocco defensively have been really good, uh, really informed in the lead up to this tournament. They have, you know, we talked about Croatia's, our agent talked about Croatia's back line. I mean, Morocco's back line is very good as well. Um, Saiz is, you know, getting up there, but he's still a very experienced player. Aguered from uh, West Ham is very strong. And obviously the two fullbacks in Hakimi and Mizrawi, that's that's one of the better, you know, fullback tandems in uh, the World Cup right now. So um, I do like, you know, I do, if, if I was going to bet this one way or another, it would definitely be the under. Yeah, save for me. I can't see three goals here. I'm probably leaning on a 2-0 if I had to predict a score, but I can't see three. Fair enough. Uh, we move on. Germany, Japan, the next game. Uh, so next two games here, we see significant favorites, but Germany uh, minus 244 on the three-way line, uh, draw plus 375, draw uh, Japan, excuse me, plus 675, courtesy of Betfred. Um, with this one in specific, guys, I don't know much about Japan, um, so it's very, very difficult for me to even break down this game whatsoever. Uh, after seeing what we saw in today's early match with Argentina, I'll never discount anyone ever again in a major soccer tournament like this. But um curious, we'll start with you, Jacob, on this one. Does Japan have, in your opinion, a shot to pull this one off? Yeah, I believe they do have a shot to pull this off. I am very much not convinced by how Germany are going to get consistent goals in this tournament. I think there's a lot of talent, and I think that a few players can chip in and all share the wealth in the goals department, but I don't think that there is reliable a reliable source in this team. And Japan, 
Double chance is something that I am sniffing around for this one. It's plus 175 at Betfred. Japan, they they have a solid team. They Every World Cup, they seem to really produce good performances. Last World Cup, they almost took down Belgium, but for a late-game collapse. There's guys who can score. There's a disciplined back line. And I think that they could surprise a lot of people at this tournament, especially in a tough group like this. Alex, do you echo that, or you think that Germany rolls here? No, I agree with um, with his take on Japan in terms of the quality they have. Like this is, you know, we talked about Argentina, Saudi Arabia. This is completely different in the sense where Japan just has way more quality than Saudi Arabia. Um, they actually like they have a realistic shot to go through. Obviously, the group is very tough, um, but I, I disagree a little bit in the sense where I think Germany's biggest issue is actually at the back. I think that goals they'll be able to create chances and create you know goals. Um, they shouldn't have too much of a problem even against Japan who is a you know defensively pretty sound team but we I, we haven't seen Germany keep a clean sheet in ages uh the game okay they're friendly against Oman they did you know <laughs> credit credit to them um but uh you know I I, don't, I think defensively they're going to struggle a little bit I think we can actually see some goals here Japan has a lot of quality going forward um you're talking about you know a player who's very in form right now in Daichi Kamada uh they have a lot of options up top they have a lot of pace you know Ritsu Dome Kubo um, you know, Mina Mino, Mitoma has been, you know, coming onto the scene for, uh, for Brighton. So I think that they're going to be very dangerous on the break where Germany is pretty susceptible. And I think Germany will be able to break them down as well with all the options they have going forward. I'm not looking to necessarily back Japan here, but, um, if I, you know, had any look, it would be, uh, it would be the over for me. Adrian. There's a lot of warning signs, uh, with Germany, uh, I actually don't uh, don't fancy either of the two teams in the tournament. Um, Germany would have been relegated uh, from Nations League if it wasn't for England. Um, Japan did okay through uh, through their uh, qualifying, but uh, they they do have 20 players that play in Europe uh, this time around. So that's uh, that's something that you know there's there's quality in that squad. Um, I ended up watching their friendly against Canada, which they played mostly at B side, and they. Were, were patient and all well organized. They had a chance to win and then they gave away a penalty at the end to lose it. But um, Japan's a quality side that creates chances. They like to go forward. They play attractive football. And um, Germany lost to South Korea at the last World Cup. So, you know, there's there's precedent there. Anything can happen in this game, but I think we see we see some goals. Do you think that there's a particular style of play that that poses Germany a problem? Or was that just like a one-off in terms of the loss to South Korea? Anything that, that transitions quickly, like Hungary feasted on them. Um, they beat them one nothing, but they could have scored so many more goals in, uh, in Nations League. They have, uh, they're slow footed at the back and um, their defensive bits commit in, onto the ball uh, to, to force turnovers. And when the opponent gets past that first wave, they have a lot of space to operate in. Fair enough. I was just curious about that. Um, I do think that there's... Again, this is just like a very uneducated take, but I do think that like sometimes styles make fights in soccer and there are certain types of matchups that uh, tend to lend themselves towards uh, beating specific types of opponents. Uh, next game is by far the biggest favorite on the board, Spain, Costa Rica. So this would be very, very similar to the odds we saw today for Argentina and Saudi Arabia. There is that big of a gap between these two teams. Um, however, um, maybe Spain is on alert now, having seen Argentina play today and realizing how that went down. Uh, I personally, I, I just as, again, a very uneducated fan of soccer, 
I think highly of Spain uh, because of how I saw them compete in the Euros. I thought they were unlucky to lose to Italy in the semifinals of the Euros. I thought they had a very good tournament overall where they dominated play. I guess that has been their style now going on a couple decades in terms of maintaining possession, lots of short passing. Uh, but I thought they played pretty well. I guess the concern here would be up front in Alvaro Morata being their striker and not really having a ton of striking talent here. But overall, um, for this specific matchup and going forwards, let's get your thoughts on Spain for the tournament. I'll start with you, Adrian. Um, is there a chance, like, is 20 to 1 enough to take a shot on Costa Rica tomorrow for one? Uh, and if not, then are you playing Spain in some capacity? And what do you view Spain as going forwards in this tournament? I'm going to pass on this game tomorrow. I, I There's no price I would play Costa Rica in this, in this matchup. It's just... I've seen them in, in qualifying in CONCACAF and they were really poor to start. They did come on a little bit towards the end. They had uh, the schedule uh, played to their advantage because they had teams that had clinched that uh, were not as interested in, in going down to uh, Costa Rica and, uh, and play a tough match, especially when they play on turf too. Um, so I, I don't see a scenario where Costa Rica does well in this tournament. They, they are one of the poor sides, but uh, I don't know what to expect from Spain. I want to see them play before I... Uh, I, uh, you know, put some harder money on, on them. They're going to control possession, have maybe 70% possession, pass it around. Uh, but they haven't been taking chances. Uh, so it's uh, it's a team that uh, I need to see something before I uh, invest in them. Alex? Yeah. Um, Costa Rica are a very bad side. We all watch them a lot in qualifying. They're they're one of the worst teams of this tournament. Long gone are the days of uh, Paulo Wanchup and uh, Brian Ruiz, although Brian Ruiz is still there. <laughs> he's still there he, he headlines a very very old squad they're kind of uh for costa rica this almost feels like a a farewell tour where they're you know they're bringing their their old guard back with them to you know say goodbye to the world cup after a couple of fun perform they've been a fun team at the world cup a number of times this this you know this isn't it for them spain for me are a a team with a very wide range of outcomes it wouldn't surprise me if they went on to make the semifinals, possibly even the finals. It also wouldn't surprise me if they maybe kind of crash out in the group stage. So for me, I, I yeah, I'm same boat as Adrian here where I kind of want to wait and see. You know, you mentioned Morata up top. They have a ton of talent in this team and they have a lot of great wingers. They have a great midfield. They're strong at the back, but like they're going to control possession. They're going to create chances. Are they going to be able to finish those chances? I'm not sure. So it's kind of a wait and see thing for me with Spain. Jacob, thoughts on Spain? I am... I was pretty low on Spain at the Euros, and I know they made the semifinals and probably deserved to beat Italy And if that game didn't go to penalties, but I, I still wasn't thoroughly impressed by how they played in that tournament, and I don't think their squad here is still ready yet to make a deep run. I think they do have a high ceiling, but I also believe they have a low floor. That being said, Costa Rica is brutal and I think there's I don't think there's any number here that I'm gonna want to play on either team based on that. Going back again, I'll further elaborate on the CONCACAF um, World Cup qualifying. Costa Rica against Canada got outplayed by 10 men Canada for more than a half of that game. We're very, very lucky to come away with the win. And that's one of the main reasons they won that game that they are at this tournament. I think they're lucky to qualify. I think they're happy to be here. I expect a low block, maybe like 5-4-1 formation here. Praying Navas, Costa Rica's goalie, has his Superman cape on to get anything out of this game. Well, uh, I can recall from personal experience that Costa Rica did that in 2014. 
and ended up beating beating Italy in the group stage one nil. That actually sent England home. Uh, that that loss is what Italy and England uh, ended up going home from that group, while Uruguay and, and Costa Rica advanced. So it can be done. It's soccer. We yep. see crazy stuff all the time. We just saw some today. Uh, we'll end it with the uh, home. All four of us are Canadian here. Uh, for all the U.S. viewers, just uh, we're very much looking forward to this one tomorrow. Belgium and Canada. Uh, Romelu Lukaku is out for Belgium. They're still a fairly sizable favorites, but uh, I'll be honest, if I was not Canadian, I would think that this is a bit of a short price with Belgium. I know Alex has already voiced that he's not high on Belgium in this tournament, uh, but relative to where we're seeing a price like Germany, Japan, for example, seems to me like it could be a little short. Maybe I'm, I'm undervaluing my home country who does have everyone available, including Alfonso Davies. But we'd love to get everyone's thoughts on this one. Jacob, we will start with you, Belgium and Canada tomorrow. So Belgium just had a recent ex, uh, friendly excuse me, against Egypt where they lost, I believe it was 2-1 final. Uh, but Egypt, I think, led 2-0 in that game. Belgium, their defense were exposed in ways that I expect Canada to be able to expose them. It's a very slow old back line. They just haven't really gotten a new cast to fill in the back line compared to you know, the midfielders that are in. Obviously, Kevin De Bruyne is exceptional top five player in the world. I think that's more than I think it'd be even higher than that. But defensively, like if Canada can throw out Davies at left wing back and really try to mitigate if Castagna is there or even better, if Thomas Munier is there, he is slow footed as well and get a front three that includes in some some way you can get Jonathan David, Kyle Laren, and Tejon Buchanan involved in that front three, or maybe Junior Hoylet slips in there. Pacey players can give Belgium a lot of problems here. And the way John Herdman plays, where they defend in a 4-4-2 and quickly break out into a 3-4-3, 3-5-2 on the ball, I think that can cause Belgian problems. And I think that the market is reflecting that. I, I believe Canada were much, much bigger underdogs previously, and it has really fallen and I think for good reason here. I think Belgium win, but I think that price-wise, I, I think you're still getting a pretty good price on can Canadian markets. Alex, do you echo that? I know you said you were down on Belgium before, but is Canada the team that can exploit them? Yeah, um, I think they're exactly the type of team that can exploit them. A lot of pace going forward. Belgium, I, I mean, Jacob, Jacob spoke very well about Canada, so I don't really need to touch on that too much. But in terms of Belgium, their back line is very weak. They're going to go with, you know, the old guard there and Jan Vertonghen and Toby Alderweireld, who were my boys at Ajax back in the day, have a soft spot in my heart for both of them, but um, they are getting up there. They are weak on the flanks and that is where Canada likes to attack. I think that this is a good matchup. I think this is going to be a very entertaining matchup. Obviously Lukaku's absence is, you know, a big help for Canada's kind of weak back line where, you know, he's not going to be around to bully them, but I mean, and Adrian can speak to this too. I do, I do wonder who's going to replace him, but if it's Openda, who is having a fantastic season for Lens right now in Ligue 1, then like he's going to give Canada problems as well. So I think that, I mean, you know, bias aside, I, I really want to take Canada plus one here, but I think that my stronger look is towards the over because I do believe we see goals. Adrian, your thoughts on that? So there's two potential games here. Uh, if Martinez goes with the old guard on defense, Canada's going to pose him problems. But I think there's a lineup that will um, annihilate the Canada's attack. If they play with Tiate and Fais and Debast at the back, Belgium can uh, can be solid enough to, to contain them. And I have to look at it the other way too. Canada has uh, 
Stephen Vittoria and uh, Kamal Miller as their back line. And that is something that's going to get <laughs> exposed in this game. I mean, if it's Bachuai or if it's the Kettler playing like a false nine, these are guys that uh, can do a lot of uh, magical things with the ball. And Canada's defense is just not World Cup ready. Uh, at least the central pairing. I was going to ask how we think Belgium is going to line up because just looking at um, you know top team goal scorer markets right now, Kevin De Bruyne is the favorite at plus 300 to lead Belgium in goals. Um, do they potentially play with him further up the pitch as a false nine? I've heard that that could potentially be possible. Uh, curious how, uh, we'll start with you, Adrian. You're very, you, you have a very good tactical sense of this stuff, but how do you see Belgium lining up in this game? So that's that's a big question. If um, the Brit is still going to be in the midfield pulling the strings, but uh, if they go with three strikers, you're going to have Batshuayi, a physical presence uh, with, with a lot of speed in the middle, or you can just go with two wingers and a false nine. Uh, I really like the Kettler who moved from uh, Bruges to to Milan this year. He's he's a wonder kid that can do a lot of magical things. Uh, he can shoot with both feet. He's, he's fast and he's good in the air. He uh, and he's a finisher. He just goes to the right spot and he can get in, uh, cause a lot of troubles for, uh, for the central pairing of Canada. Um, at the back, they have options. I like the younger options. Uh, Tiati from uh, Rennes is having an amazing season France. He's also a really dangerous uh, guy offset plays. He comes in and behind the play and he's, he's always getting his head on, uh, on crosses. Um, Canada needs to be aware of that and, and defend as a block. But, uh, before- um, Eden Hazard is apparently starting. He's uh, he's over the hill, but he can still do things that uh, can change the game. Frankly, he looked a little bit out of shape as I saw him in training as well. We'll see if that's. Um, I mean, if, I mean, he still has a lot of quality. Don't get me wrong. I'm just I'm, this is just my perceptive uh, perception of seeing Belgium uh, in training earlier this week. Um, really quickly before we sign off here, uh, because we have two new groups playing tomorrow, I'll quickly go around the table here. Um, just curious how you see these groups playing out. One, two, three, four. Give me the, the order from top to bottom. Uh, let's go with uh, Germany, Japan, Spain, Costa Rica. We'll start with you, Jacob. Okay. I Very tough. I think I'm going to go with Germany to finish tops here. Spain to come in at second. Japan third. Costa Rica, I think we'll finish bottom on zero. I'm not going to put it past Japan to surprise people and get out of this group, though. Alex? I'm not the, I don't have the strongest opinion of this group. I think it's pretty wide open, but I'll go with, uh, with Germany to, uh, to take it fall pretty early in the knockouts and then Japan to follow Spain and then Costa Rica. Yeah. 0.0 goals for, for Los Ticos. I like that. You're going to, you got the balls to leave one of the European teams out of the top two. Uh, Adrian. I got Spain winning it. Japan coming in second, Germany third and uh, Costa Rica last. Wow. I didn't think two thirds of the panelists were going to have one of the European <laughs> teams out, but, uh, but here we are. Uh, okay. Other group, uh, we'll go reverse order. So Adrian, you start this off Morocco, Croatia, Belgium, Canada, give me your top to bottom one, two, three, four. You're not going to be happy with this, but, uh, Belgium first, Croatia second, Morocco third, Canada fourth. Hey, listen, I'm, whether I'm happy or not is not the point. Sometimes we have to be realists. And, um, if they, if that's what you think is going to happen, I mean, we're, this is a this is a betting show, right? This isn't. Uh, I mean, mm-hmm. some people bet with their hearts, but we try to bet with our brains as much as possible. Alex, uh, I'm going to go Croatia, Morocco, Belgium, Canada, and Jacob, Belgium, Croatia, Canada, Morocco. Okay, and let's leave on this. Everyone around the board, top look for tomorrow. If you could only bet one thing on the card, um, what would you bet, Jacob? We will start with you. 
Croatia to win. Nothing fancy. I think Croatia, the better team at plus money. I like that spot a lot. So Croatia plus 110 at Betfred for Jacob. Uh, Alex. Yeah. Um, Adrian mentioned this, and, you know, I do want to, I do think that Roberto Martinez is going to go with uh, Alderweireld and Bertongen. I would prefer to wait and see. So if that, you know, if those two guys are in there, then the over there would probably be my best look. But um, without knowing lineups, I'm going to go instead with the over in Japan and Germany. Um, 2.75, wrote minus 120 is where I played it. You can go over three at plus money if you'd, if you'd like as well. Okay. Over Japan, Germany, and Adrian will end on you. I'm going to break the rules and uh, make a bet. Uh, I'm going to play both uh, Vittoria and uh, Miller to get a yellow card. Vittoria's 275 and Miller's uh, plus 550. If one of them does, then it's, it's a good bet. If both of them, then it's a Christmas present for everyone. These are my favorite types of bets. I'm, I'm glad <laughs> people start throwing stuff out like that. Uh, yeah, I was sweating France minus three corner kicks against Australia today. It was the best, the most fun bet I've made the entire tournament because you're just cheering for, <laughs> cheering for corner kicks. It's nuts. I uh, do appreciate that. Uh, appreciate you guys joining me. Uh, Adrian, enjoy your time in Qatar. I know you won't get to be the drunken goon while you're there. It's going to be uh, the Coca-Cola goon or the water goon or, or something like that. Uh, do hydrated. The, yeah, hydrated. <laughs> the hydrated goon. Yeah, you might come back with a new Twitter handle by the time you're back. But enjoy it. Adrian is going to eight games at the World Cup. I'm very jealous. Uh, I hope you have a blast while you're there. Uh, everyone... Uh, please check out Betfred Sportsbook. They are the official partner of Fine Margins, uh, a sportsbook that I would definitely recommend betting at if they are available in your state in the United States. This has been Fine Margins on the Hammer Betting Network. If you do like the content, please subscribe going forwards and give us a like. Give us a thumbs up. Um, anything helps uh, helps the situation here. But if you do appreciate the content, as my friend Nick Costas would say, don't be a freeloader. Um, <laughs> give us the thumbs up and the subscribe. We'll be back tomorrow to break down the slate that was and to preview Thursday's games. This has been Fine Margins on the Hammer Betting Network, presented by Betfred. Peace.